The following podcast is part of a certified educational activity titled Fresh Perspectives on Moving Toward Personalized Care for Bladder Cancer. Tips, tools, and strategies for leveraging the latest advancements across the disease spectrum. Access the entire activity and complete the post-test at peerview.com forward slash KPE 860. Downloadable slides and practice aids are also available. Good evening. Uh, it's a pleasure to have everyone here, and uh, we're excited to move forward with an exciting session on fresh perspectives on moving toward personalized cancer care for bladder cancer, tip tools and strategies for leveraging the latest advancements across the disease spectrum. So I'm here with uh, friends and colleagues. Uh, I'm Matt Malowski, and uh, I'm here with Shilpa Gupta and uh, Dr. Andrea uh, Necki. So what are the goals for today? Uh, the first is to augment knowledge of new uh, evidence supporting therapeutic strategies for bladder cancer management, really across the disease continuum, uh, based on innovative drug delivery approaches, modern immunotherapy regimens, as well as some of the new targeted therapies. Equip you with the skills to implement these approaches into personalized treatment plans for patients with varying stages of bladder cancer, and then to provide guidance on how to support team-based management of the unique suite of adverse events that are associated with contemporary therapeutics for bladder cancer. So to start, there are a number of unmet needs uh, in the treatment of both non-muscle invasive and muscle invasive bladder cancer. In the context of non-muscle invasive disease, only about one-third of patients with NMIBC are given intravesical BCG. There have been significant BCG shortages that continue in the United States that have created a major impact on access for patients. For MIBC, close to half of patients with MIBC worldwide may not receive curative intent therapy. And patients who've undergone radical cystectomy for muscle invasive disease often have some impairment in health-related quality of life. And unfortunately, these patients, in spite of an aggressive approach to management, are still at risk for a high risk uh, for recurrent disease. And so the development of effective, safe, and durable intravesical treatment remains a critical unmet need for patients who would like to avoid cystectomy. And effective approaches post-radical cystectomy are key to lessen the risk of recurrent disease. As I said, the Bladder Cancer Advocacy, Advocacy Network is sort of co-sponsoring this event. Um, if uh, you're not familiar with Beacon, Beacon is an excellent resource, not only for your patients, um, but also uh, for professionals. Uh, Beacon has materials that can be disseminated within your clinic. Um, they have webinars, videos, podcasts, clinical trials dashboard, and other uh, support mechanisms uh, that can assist not only your patients, but again, you in the clinic. So without further ado, uh, we'll begin. Um, uh, Dr. Gupta, who is an associate professor in the Department of Hematology Oncology, the director of genitourinary oncology program at the Tosic Cancer Institute at the Cleveland Clinic, is going to speak with us about addressing unmet needs in high-risk NMIBC and MIBC with innovative therapeutic solutions. Thanks, Dr. Gupta. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for being here. This is the overview of AUA and SEO treatment guidelines for non-muscle invasive bladder cancer. As you all know, patients undergo uh, TURBT for diagnostic purposes, and if they have uh, low or intermediate risk disease, then they are uh, referred for, for the BCG. 
which is all managed by urology. If patients have high-risk disease, then um, there's completeness of resection that needs to happen, and uh, the PATH report needs to make sure that muscle is present in the specimen so we are not understaging. And a second TURBT within two to six weeks of initial resection, if there's incomplete resection or high-risk um, high uh, high tumors. And if patients have... Uh, had risk stratification and have intermediate risk disease, they undergo a six-week induction of BCG or uh, chemotherapy or also uh, immunotherapy, which here refers to BCG because there's no immunotherapy approved in BCG-naive uh, disease right now. And then they undergo maintenance BCG. For low-risk disease, they are observed. Muscle-invasive bladder cancer is more of a systemic disease, and we'll cover that later. For high-risk non-muscle invasive disease, also there's a six-week course of BCG induction followed by maintenance BCG for three years. So what is the evidence supporting immune checkpoint inhibitors in high-grade BCG unresponsive disease? The phase two keynote 057 trial, which here was uh, Dr. Naki was heavily involved in this trial. Uh, in January 2020, FDA approved the use of pembrolizumab for BCG unresponsive high-risk NMIBC in patients who are ineligible for or elected not to undergo cystectomy. Cystectomy has been the gold standard for patients who do not respond to BCG, but as we can imagine, uh, nobody really wants their bladder out and we're looking for uh, options for these patients. After a median follow-up of 36.4 months of the 96 patients who had BCG unresponsive disease, 41% patients had a complete response at three months and the duration of response was 16 months. Of the 39 responders, 46% remained in CR for over 12 months, and 28% re remained uh, in CR at the time of data cutoff. There were no new safety signals with pembrolizumab. Another study, which was led by the SWOG cooperative group, uh, Dr. Peter Black, SWOG S1605, similar patient population. The primary endpoint was CR at six months with a mandatory biopsy. And the unplanned secondary endpoint was complete responses at three months, and they had similar results with 42%. But in the updated results, the response duration of greater than six months CR in patients with CIS was 49% at 12 months, and event-free survival in 55 patients who did not have CIS at 18 months was 47%. Notably, this drug is not approved in this indication, only pembrolizumab is. So what's next? Uh, there's a lot of interest in uh, further exploiting immunotherapy in these patients. So there's the phase three Potomac trial, which is high-risk NMIBC with any high-grade, any T1, multiple recurrent and large uh, tumors are allowed who are BCG naive. So as we move immunotherapy earlier and earlier on to harness the power of the immune system, and there's three arms, BCG induction and maintenance for two years, BCG induction and maintenance with Dervalumab, and BCG induction only with Dervalumab. And like Dr. Milowski mentioned, with the BCG shortage, these are strategies to see if we can get by with lesser doses. Phase three keynote 676 is the other trial, which is randomizing patients to BCG versus BCG with pembrolizumab. And primary endpoint is complete response in patients with CIS. And there's a lot of different uh, novel trials that are going on. The phase two sunrise trial uh, is using a, a novel technology like called a pretzel, which is installed in the bladder and it has uh, a drug in it. 
PCG unresponsive high-risk NMIBC patients are randomized to TAR200, which has gemcitabine in it, along with a checkpoint inhibitor cetrilimab, which is subcutaneous. And the cohort 2 is TAR200 alone, and cohort 3 is cetrilimab alone, which is a really good way of doing the study to know what each agent is act, uh, adding. The phase 1 to ADAPT bladder was, again, BCG unresponsive high-risk disease, with multiple cohorts here using darvalumab backbone, Interestingly, there's also a radiation component in cohort 3 to see if that can help in this disease. Traditionally, we don't use radiation for non-muscle invasive disease. And cohort 4 is also adding gemcitabine and docetaxel. The TOR trial is uh, uh, exploiting the use of FGFR inhibitor in patients who have FGFR3 um, mutations or fusions. It's believed to be higher in non-muscle invasive compared to metastatic setting. Patients will be randomized or are being randomized toward a fitinib or investigator's choice of intravesical therapy. And uh, tomorrow we'll see some updates uh, for the cohort two for, by Dr. S uh, Gary Steinberg and also the cohort three for these uh, studies. So in treatment approaches for non-muscle invasive patients who are unresponsive to BCG, there's a lot of uh, research going on. There's the QUILT study, which showed that IL-15 super, super agonist uh, phase 2-3 QUILT study. In this, the CR was 71%. Notably, this used BCG in addition to the IL-15 super uh, agonist. It was uh, safety and tolerability was comparable to BCG alone. And then there's variety of checkpoint inhibitors that are being uh, tested, FGFR inhibitors, viral gene transfer, the phase three etstiladrine trial. This was a positive uh, trial, and it was recently approved by the FDA for BCG unresponsive disease. And then there's the gemcitabine and docetaxel, uh, which has shown activity in smaller um, data sets. And now there's a phase uh, three trial called the BRIDGE trial through the eco-cooperative group. Coming to muscle invasive bladder cancer, uh, as we know, cisplatin is the only chemotherapy that has shown uh, survival benefit in, in muscle invasive bladder cancer for patients who are eligible to receive it. The SWOG uh, trial was the landmark trial which randomized patients to MVAC and cystectomy versus cystectomy alone, and there was a uh, 2.6-year median overall survival benefit in patients who receive neoadjuvant cisplatin. And there's a whole lot of phase two trials that have exploited the role of immunotherapy alone or in combination with cisplatin-based chemotherapy or as an immunotherapy doublet. And uh, several of us are involved in some of these trials. Dr. Necky here has really uh, was the first to show in the Pure One trial the use of pembrolizumab we showed a PCR rate of 42%, which is higher than even what you might get with just cisplatin alone. Abacus is another trial with tezolizumab alone. Then there's a darvalumab, tremelumumab trial, Nabucco trial used nivolumab, bipilumumab. We led the BLAST-1 trial with nivolumab and gemsis. There's other trials with pembrolizumab and gemsis here led by Dr. Milowski. So this really tells us that there's a lot of scope to combine immunotherapy with chemotherapy and also a lot of promising activity with immunotherapy alone. And um, we are presenting some updates to the BLAST1 um, study tomorrow. 
So this obviously led to phase three trials to see if addition of immunotherapy is better than chemo alone or uh, just cystectomy alone for cisplatin ineligible patients, which is the current standard. And there's a lot of trials like the Keynote 905, where patients are randomized to pembrolizumab and enfortumab vidotin versus cystectomy. Then there's a cooperative group trial of gemcarbo and avelumab versus upfront cystectomy or nephrouretractomy. It allows upper tract uh, urothelial cancer patients. And Volga trial is dervalumab, tremilumumab, and enfortumab vidotin. Uh, for the audience here, enfortumab vidotin uh, is really a very effective agent in the metastatic setting and uh, is being used in a lot of muscle-invasive uh, bladder cancer trials. And for cisplatin-eligible patients, the comparator arm is GEMSYS alone, and the treatment arm with the novel immunotherapy and GEMSYS is what most of these trials are using. There's the Energize trial that completed accrual recently, GEMSYS nivolumab, Niagara trial has also completed accrual with Dervalumab and Gemsys, and the other trials like Keynote 866 with Gemsys and Pembrolizumab, and EV304 with Pembrolizumab and, and Enfortimavidotin are still ongoing. Now the next question is, you know, what can we do for patients who don't want cystectomy? And um, I think in my experience, very, very few patients are really keen to get cystectomy, and there's a lot of emphasis on how can we preserve bladder in these patients with novel treatments and novel drug delivery systems. So like I said earlier, TAR-200 is an intravesical drug delivery system that is shaped like a pretzel, and it releases gemcitabine in a sustained fashion within the bladder, and it increases the dwell time of the local drug concentration, so it's very effective within the bladder. And in the phase one study of TAR-200 in patients with muscle-invasive bladder cancer who were unfit for uh, or refused curative uh, intent therapy, this showed uh, activity, and it was safe and tolerated uh, when given after, uh, after four cycles. And there was a response rate of 40% at three months, median overall survival of 20 months, and 12-month progression-free survival was 67.7%, which is uh, quite promising. There's a variety of trials going on in combination uh, with the Sunrise program, which incorporates the backbone of TAR-200. For example, in this study, um, patients who have muscle-invasive bladder cancer and C2 to T4A disease, no nodes 